Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Tiff. And we're your curious cousins. Where we talk about everything kooky and spooky in the state of Oklahoma. Welcome to episode 22. Yay! I know, I almost, I started to lose count. I was like, what? Which one are we on? You <laughs> know, <laughs> we haven't had that many. <laughs> no, but, you know, it happens. It happens, it happens. How did your week go? Oh, long and uh, yeah, conglomerate of different things that happened. <laughs> Not necessarily all to me, but it was a week. It always is. You know, ready for the weekend and to do nothing. And so. now it's here. Yay! <laughs> Yay! How was yours? Mine was short. Was it? Well, we didn't have school on Monday. Oh, yeah, that's right. Tuesday, students didn't have school, but we had professional development. And that was a good time. I got to go to a class put on by Owasso's Native American oh, neat. educators. And they brought in two of the actors who mm-hmm. are in the Killers of the Flower Moon film. Oh, cool. And Very cool. One is an actual Osage native and then the other is actually a Pawnee one. Mm-hmm. And it was very cool to listen to their histories about them growing up mm-hmm. and especially the Osage native who had family that was obviously alive during mm-hmm. those Osage murders. So Neat. his opinions were very surprising, mm-hmm. but he did say that the book does a great job of mimicking or like describing what happened, I guess. Covering so, what Yeah, covering, happened. exactly. Covering what happened mm-hmm. that most natives or Osage are pretty pleased with it and he thinks that the film is going to do a good job oh, good. portraying it as well. I'm pretty excited for but that they to both, come out. Yeah, they both said they had a lot of fun doing it. Mm-hmm. They're eager to see how the nation and the world's going to respond to their oh, story. Cool. Yeah. So Neat. That was a really cool opportunity. I wish I would have been brave enough to tell them about our podcast but <laughs> I was in front of a lot of other educators and I didn't want to make it about me right so i wish i would have just gone up afterwards and said something to them about it but i think that if all else fails i could probably still get in contact with Mm -hmm. them yeah considering i know the teachers that would know how to contact them yeah and our indian education teacher at my site um she actually is a listener of our podcast oh nice so yeah very nice cool so yeah that's about it yeah i have a short week next week or this coming week, I should say. Uh, I actually have a funeral to go to on Monday and then out of town on Friday. So it'll be a short work week for yeah. me, which I'm kind of looking forward to. Not that I'm looking forward to going to a funeral, <laughs> yes, but I am looking that. forward to being out of school. Out of school? So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> work. There we go. Work. <laughs> So yeah, this week we're going to take you on a paranormal ride. Oh yeah, yes we are. Fun getting our little kooky and spookies on. Uh huh. Well, I don't know about you, but I had a lot of fun last week with the abandoned Oklahoma. I did. I did. So I think we should definitely do that again. Yes, we've gotten a lot of good feedback from listeners regarding that, so I'm pretty excited to cover something else abandoned. So if anybody has any suggestions, we don't have any. I don't have any anything in mind Mm -hmm. as of yet but that doesn't mean that I won't take a suggestion right well I mean we can always look something up too easily but we would love suggestions (laughs) yeah we'd love to hear from you when they give you people what you want exactly we want to hear your voice (laughs) or your email (laughs) yes that would be great 
that would be great. Want to go ahead and get started? Yeah. Okay. Oh, you want me to go first? I don't care. Do you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. I'm okay. Either way. Well, I am covering the Riverside Indian School. Let's start with my sources. First, I have a source from Facebook from David Chattelson. He posted on the Native Ghost Stories page on January 17th of 2013. I also got an article from the Associated Press by Sean Murphy called Oklahoma Tribal Elders Recall Painful Boarding School Memories from July 9th of 2022. I did a lot of research on the Encyclopedia of Oklahoma History and Culture by Oklahoma Historical Society. They had a whole slew of things from Riverside Indian School. Also from the book Ghosts and Legends of Oklahoma by Mike Ricksecker. He has a whole chapter devoted to Riverside Indian School and I like to go through Wikipedia's sources. Mm -hmm. Like not necessarily their information but if you look at their sources. Right. See where they got some of their information. Yeah, exactly. And you can usually, they're usually hyperlinked and so you can clip on them and kind of cross-reference your sources. So I did look on Wikipedia for a few things. So let's talk about the history of this school. Okay. Let's do it. It is located in Anadarko, Oklahoma. Oh. And I have actually been to Anadarko several times when I was in grade school, I think in the fourth grade. We took a trip there. They have Mm -hmm. a huge Native American museum and replica of what the reservation looked like during Mm -hmm. Native times when they were moved here to Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. what it looked like pre-20th century, I guess. So we got to see a lot of Native drawings and clothing and weapons and whatnot that they had in teepees. Mm -hmm. And then we got to see some Native dancing and it was really a cool experience. Nice. When I I went there. I don't think I've ever been to Anadarko. Yeah. I thought I remember. It's not a very big city, Mm -hmm. um, but the museum I went to was called Indian City USA. It was really a cool place. (laughs) Have you ever been to the, I can't remember what it's called. It's on the OU campus. They have a Native American museum there. Mm -mm. I never have. um, It's really neat there. They have a lot of cool stuff too. Yeah. Not that I know of. Okay. Anyways, it's located in Anadarko. No, that's okay. We digress and then I get lost in my notes. It's located in Anadarko, Oklahoma. It was organized in 1871 with Thomas C. Batley as principal for the Wichita Caddo students. It is the oldest federally operated American Indian boarding school in the United States. Mm. Although as I was wrapping up my research, there's another school that kind of argues that they're the oldest. So there's no telling really. I'm an Oklahoman. So we're going to claim the Oklahoma ones. <laughs> oldest. There's only one of four Indian boarding schools left in the United States, and this is one of them. It was officially opened in 1872 as the Wichita Caddo School because it served those natives. Mm -hmm. At that time, all tribes had their own school. The government Mm -hmm. was opening up their own schools. Mm -hmm. So in 1878 through 1879, the facility was relocated one mile west of its present location along the Washita River. Thus, it was renamed the Riverside Indian Mm, School. Makes sense. So for 50 years, the school served just the Wichita, Caddo, and Delaware tribal students. And during this time period, it was common for most tribes, like I said, to have their own federal schools on their lands. Mm -hmm. From 1890 to 1920, students faced non-discriminating clashes of cultures and languages. Now, that's kind of a weird statement. Like, what Mm -hmm. do you mean? I was asking, I don't even know what that means. Well, I 
looked it up and students of different tribes all attended that school. Mm -hmm. So there were language barriers because many came from places located in Oklahoma that where English wasn't even spoken. They were Uh, simply speaking their native tongue. uh And tribal cultural differences, some of which could be incredibly offensive to different tribes, they're all put into one place. Yeah. The native students weren't allowed to attend school with white students, only other natives. Yet there was no segregation between the tribes. Honestly, the school didn't want natives to practice their heritage. Mm -hmm. They wanted to assimilate them into white culture, white beliefs, white society. That was the whole point of Mm -hmm. these boarding schools. Yet they didn't think about how they were going to, they didn't think about, they didn't care 100%. They didn't care Mm -hmm. how they were going to get this job done with students of differing cultural backgrounds. Yeah. Students were often beaten and ridiculed, abused and degraded if they spoke their native language or even practiced their native beliefs. I'm shaking my head right now. Yeah. In 1922, the Kiowa tribal students were allowed to enroll at the school. In 1945, Navajo students were allowed to enroll at the school. Navajo? Yes. Really? The schools, I believe in New Mexico, were closing and so they uh, moved okay. into Oklahoma. Interesting. I didn't know that. Currently, students from dozens of tribes, one of my sources said there were up to 75 different tribes represented, are currently enrolled at Riverside. This is called an intertribal school since I believe they will allow anyone from any tribe as long as you're a certified Native American. So they're still open to this day? Yes. So that's what you meant when you said there was four. There's only four left left in the U.S. in the U.S. Okay. Oklahoma, of course, is home to numerous tribes. So it makes sense to allow members of all tribes right. to attend the school. Oklahoma does have the second largest population <laughs> of natives behind Alaska. And that was as of the 2020 census. It does serve grades 4 through 12. Students must have a certified degree of Indian blood to attend. The Board of Education, Administration, staff, and faculty are all Native Americans. Riverside, as well as all Native boarding schools, are part of the Federal Bureau of Indian Affairs and their federal boarding school program. Their curriculum through the years has obviously changed. Mm -hmm. They're not practicing the same things they were back in the 1870s. From 1870 to 1910, it makes sense. Their curriculum was agriculture centered. From 1910 to 1960, it switched it up to vocational education centered. Mm -hmm. They really started getting more into kind of industrial type Mm -hmm. work. From 1860 to 1890, it became academic centered. And then from 1990 to present, not only is it academic centered, but it's also a college preparatory type school. Interesting. Cultural, this is not kooky. This is very, a very disturbing fact. Cultural programming wasn't an introduced till 1960, 90 years after the school opened. They didn't have any classes available studying their native cultural history until the 1960s. Let that sit in. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. There's roughly 600 to 800 students currently enrolled there. My source is kind of different. Uh Of course, that probably ebbs and flows, especially on the tail end of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Students do stay in dorms there, so it is an overnight you stay here for nine months types boarding school. Mm. It's spread across 135 anchors. A not so kooky fact, the school pays for out-of-state students to travel home for breaks and holidays. So there's no Harry Potter type shenanigans or situations <laughs> going on. 
<laughs> but the school pays for them to yes. visit home. Yes. That's actually really nice. Mm-hmm. It pays for all their travel. Good. To they and should. from their home. Yeah, they should. So now we're going to go to the dark side. The dark side? Yeah. It's not so fun. There are hundreds of claims and reports of beatings, whippings, sexual assault, starvation, oh. forced haircuts, and painful nicknames. Mm. Most of these reports are from past students who were attending prior to the 1960s. Although that doesn't mean that it still didn't happen after them, it seems that drastic changes were made in the 1960s regarding student performance and welfare and cultural recognition. Mm -hmm. Native children were forced to attend these schools. Mm. No other education option was available for them at all. They were forced to assimilate into the white culture and society. I was speaking to my dad about this. While I was talking, I started to wonder if this was one of the reasons that his family chose to remove themselves from Mm -hmm. their tribal heritage because we probably Mm -hmm. had ancestors that went to these types of schools Mm -hmm. and just knew if they just probably in their minds, it was just safer to play the white man's game Mm -hmm. and to, quote, be white than it was to be native. Mm -hmm. If students were heard speaking their native language, lie would be like lie soap Mm -hmm. would be placed in their mouths oh my gosh it is reported that at least 500 children across the united states have died in indian (gasps) boarding schools that is the reported number like across the u.s yes total this is i mean not not that that's any worse but oh man across the entire country but i believe that we can probably all agree that people of color and native people often have their statistics greatly misrepresented oh yeah absolutely the real number by researchers and historians is estimated to be in the thousands, probably even the tens of thousands. Oh, man. Oklahoma had the most native boarding schools at one time with 76, which makes sense, Mm -hmm. followed by Arizona that at one time had 47 and New Mexico with 43. Again, there are only four left. Riverside here in Oklahoma. I'm probably going to mess this one up. Chimawa Indian School in Oregon. And if I pronounce that incorrectly, I do apologize. This one also claims to be the oldest. (laughs) Sherman Indian High School in Riverside, California and Flandero Indian School school in South Dakota. Interesting. It is rumored that three boys ran away from Riverside School during a snowstorm. They froze to death. I could not collaborate this with any news articles and Mm -hmm. I searched and searched and Mm -hmm. searched through newspapers.com and I could not find anything. But I know that several past students had claimed that this happened so I believe it probably did. Yeah. There are several news reports and articles discussing and investigating this topic of abuse. It especially was brought to the forefront when the current secretary Secretary of the Interior for the United States was appointed. For the first time in American history, the Secretary is Native American. Mm-hmm. The Bureau of Indian Affairs falls under this Secretary, mm-hmm. and she is Native American. Mm-hmm. I believe she's a Navajo. She personally held town halls to hear victim stories and the impact that this had on their lives, and I watched several mm-hmm. of those town hall clips from Oklahoma City's several of their news channels, mm-hmm. and it was just, it's just heartbreaking to hear, like, one man was 84 years old just explaining the terrible time Mm -hmm. that he had in school Mm -hmm. because of this school Mm -hmm. when a place sees so much hatred and violence for long periods of time strange things tend to happen there native tribes definitely believe in this as well as many of us non-natives it's no wonder that these grounds are said to be haunted Mm. now 
Let's talk about some ghosts. Oh, man. Okay. I will say that this is one of the very top schools, and it's very, it does not have, it's scarred from this reputation, Mm -hmm. but it is one of those schools that has seen a real turnaround and Mm -hmm. has been able to really take its, you know, tarnished reputation from the past and change it to something better. Oh, good. Are you ready for the ghost? Hit me. All right. Let's start with the voices. (laughs) Yuck. They are heard throughout campus. Rewind back to figure out the reasons why we hear voices throughout the campus. Sure. The voices are thought to be those of past Native American students speaking in their native tongues. (gasps) Wow. Oh, man. So not only are there disembodied voices, you don't know what they're saying. Right. Sometimes, chillingly, singing accompanies the voices. Even worse. Children. Ghostly drum beats. You know they're children. It's a school. I know, but... In the Arapaho dorm, a ghostly hand is seen knocking on a window. Nobody, just the hand. (laughs) Gross. In the Delaware dorm, doors open and close on their own, and objects go missing or are found in odd places. Oh, great. Oh, mischievous. So not only do you have like the annoyance of the knocking, you have a kleptomaniac (laughs) on your hands. In the Cheyenne dorm, A ghost girl is seen, and get this, she is so lifelike that people think she's real. (gasps) One student student reported that the girl she was talking to, she was talking to her friend at one time in their dorm. Well, then ghost girl showed up and... Just waltzed right in. Right. And she just kept talking to her, thinking it was her friend, and then she realized it wasn't. And um, yeah, she ran from her room screaming. Okay, well, where was her friend at? I, maybe, I don't know, it doesn't say where her friend went. Like maybe her friend like walked out. Oh, and like then, she walked out of the room. And then the and ghost she... girl walked back in. <laughs> Wouldn't she have been dressed in like period maybe, clothing Maybe she or didn't something? notice and she or she was doing something else and just talking to her. And you said she just like disappeared? Is that why you yeah, said? Yeah, I think the girl just like disappeared and the other girl, the <sighs> human girl who realized it was a ghost was like, what? Hey, I have a story for you really quick. So this week, my mom was saying that we had some, I had some trouble with the ice maker. Like I always fill a bottle of, I have a bottle that I take to work. I fill it with ice and fill it with water. And then, you know, I can refill it with water at work throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Every morning, like it's a routine. I do this every morning. Well, the ice wasn't coming out. (laughs) And so I thought, oh no, maybe it's just not working. So I looked and it was full. And so I just grab some out you know Mm -hmm. didn't think anything else about it i get home that day and my mom was like the weirdest thing happened and i was like what and she goes i was in the back bedroom sewing and all of a sudden i hear this noise she's like i'm i'm the only one in the house okay let me just say my mom doesn't believe in this stuff so (laughs) she was just like what what is going on she goes and checks it out and the ice had just fallen (laughs) all out and i was like of course my mind immediately goes to oh man something's playing tricks on us But anyway, that's my little ghost story for the day. That's awesome. Well, our little thing that happened last week. And then I've just been like super paranoid. And when I was changing into my comfy pants today, Mm -hmm. my door just randomly popped open. And I was like, 
granted, my door doesn't actually latch. It just oh. pushes closed. <laughs> so I don't oh. think I pushed it closed all the way. <laughs> I like to psych myself out. So the ghost Sorry. most often... Oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> Back to the real ghost. Yes. The ghost most often seen around campus is the morbid... This is quote. Morbid young boy. Kind of a rude description in my opinion, but whatever. I didn't name him. Well, what's he look like? I I'd like to see what other people look like at Ghost for this kid to get the morbid yeah. description. Anyways, it he looks kind of bad. No, it does say. Oh, okay. He's seen with bruises on his face like he was beaten or had gotten into a bad fight. He's definitely native and seen wearing an old school uniform. He doesn't interact with anyone. It is thought that he's probably not a residual ghost since he is seen all over different places of campus. I looked this up and residual ghosts tend to stay in the same area and repeat the same motions all the time. And ghosts that are not residual are the ones that can travel wherever. But, Jess, mm-hmm. he simply stares at people. <gasps> Gross! Like, what? No, 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 no. So that is terribly rude, first off. But I even don't like worse, that. even worse, he'll either stare at you and then walk off <gasps> or oh. stare at you and disappear. Ew. In 1949, this is the only recorded death that I could find. Well, going back to Morbid, okay, you said that he looked like he had bruises on his face. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. does does he look like lifelike? Kind of like the girl who she thought she they was talking say. to the friend? They didn't say. Because, I mean, in my mind, if he's a ghost, how can you tell he's got bruises? I don't know. But I'm just, I mean, <laughs> I've never I'm just seen throwing it out there. I've never seen a ghost. I, I haven't either. I really don't want to. <laughs> I mean, I think I captured one in a picture, maybe, but... <laughs> Okay. Captured a weird doll in a picture one time. Let's not talk about the doll. Okay. Gross. 1949 has the only recorded death that I could find of a student, and it was just really a tragic accidental death. Mm -hmm. The boy was swimming with his brother and his friend at Shirley Springs, which is nearby to the school. Mm -hmm. He was waiting, and get this, he slipped into a 14-foot hole. And, I mean, I've been in the lake or at the ocean, you know, when you're, like, walking, and then all of a sudden there's, like, a hole right there. Mm -hmm. But, like, a 14-foot one? Mm. Oh, my gosh. But he was never seen alive again, and his body was recovered by a local baseball player. And it is speculated but unknown if this is the boy with the staring problem that is seen around school. Uh. Maybe his body was kind of beat up from the water. Mm. And then I'm going to leave you with this. In 2013, David Chattelson reported on the Facebook page Native Ghost Stories that while living in the Kiowa dorm, he often heard running on the top floors after lights out time. The top floors were off limits. They may have even been closed. I can't remember now, but the boys went and they like told their floor head or like their mm-hmm. RA, I guess. Yeah. And they went and checked it out and there was nothing and no one there, Ooh. but they heard it all the time oh my gosh and that is the hauntings of the riverside indian school in anadarko so if you went there if you know someone who went there yeah hit us up stories oh man i'd like to know yes all right you ready for mine (laughs) yes (laughs) i'm just waiting for you to be like nope (laughs) (laughs) not today what if one day i was like "Mm, rather not i'm not feeling it (laughs) We are going to talk about Robber's Cave. Oh. Now, I don't know about you, but I've heard of Robber's Cave. Mm-hmm. I've never mm-hmm. actually been there. Me neither. My my dad has been there, and 
at least my older brother has, mm-hmm. but uh, my dad said he was really young when he went, so he doesn't remember really. And he thinks that like my grandpa and his brothers were there on like a fishing trip or something like that. Mm-hmm. And my older brother had gone for like youth group thing or something, but he didn't really remember much of it either. I wish they did though, because <laughs> you know, whatever. But anyway, Robber's Cave, my sources are Haunted Oklahoma Ghosts and Strange Phenomena of the Sooners Day by Jeff Provine. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> I was waiting. Robber's Cave State Park by Larry O'Dell from the Oklahoma Historical Society website at okhistory.org. Land of the Outlaws, Robber's Cave. There wasn't an author name or a date for the article, but I did get it from metrofamilymagazine.com. And lastly, The Myths and History of Robber's Cave and Jesse James by Eric Standridge from alcation.com, published on September 2nd, 2022. Robber's Cave is located at 2084 Northwest 146th Road in Wilburton, Oklahoma, 74578. Like how they have like an actual address to a cave. Well, it's a state park. It's oh, a oh, it's okay. the state okay. park. Okay, so, so it's like the actual cave. Right. A little history background. Robbers Cave State Park is located four miles north of Wilburton on State Highway Two. Robbers Cave State Park was originally named Latimer State Park. But the name changed in 1936 because of several shallow caves, canyons, and tunnels that are tucked into the rocks with the most famous, a stone alcove that hid outlaws for decades. Robbers Cave State Park encompasses more than 80, or not 80, I'm sorry, 8,000 acres, includes three lakes, and has many amenities for tourists. The park's legendary history blends the myths of the Wild West, tales of the Civil War, and history of America's westward expansion among the gorgeous landscape of the San Juan Mountains, a frontal belt of the Washita Mountains in southeast Oklahoma. Do I sound like an ad? That was a very beautiful description. (laughs) Came straight from one of my sources. Don't remember which one. The park features rock bluffs of sandstone and shale. The area's origins date back further than we think, as well as the lore that's associated with Robber's Cave area, or with the Robber's Cave area. The mountains were home to Native American tribes linked to the Spyro culture and later to the Plains Indians. Taking advantage of the wandering streams and sheltered valleys in the region, the Osage and I hope I say this right, Cadoan? Cado Cadoan? I mean that's Caddo Indian, so Cadoan. Yeah, I guess Cadoan. Cadoan. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I appreciate it. Those two tribes are known to have used the region as a seasonal home, also for a bison hunting ground, and was also the object of French exploration in Ooh, the eighteenth century. Some of the first to find shelter at Robbers Cave were said to be deserters from the Civil War. Makes sense. After the war, it was a campsite for outlaws like Jesse James, yep. the Younger Gang, mm-hmm. and of course, mm-hmm. Belle Star. That's right. And she actually lived and is buried just only about 20 miles north. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to this day, you can still find their carvings in the rocks with the initials and cryptic symbols <laughs> leading to some of their treasures buried nearby. One source stated that there is over a million dollars worth of hidden treasure buried there. It's still buried there? Yeah. 
Are you allowed to try to dig it up anymore? I'm not sure because it's a state park now, so I don't know if I don't know if that's allowed or not. Interesting, I, but doesn't hurt to don't go ask the park to Robbers Cave. It's closed for the season, <laughs> right, Jess? Wink, wink, wink. yeah. <laughs> Kooky fact, several caches have been found, such as a brass bucket packed full of gold coins in 1933, and more than 100 gold rings 50 years later. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Many say that there's still a lot more treasure to be found. And it just makes me wonder, you know, who the treasures belong to and our the family. stories behind it. Our, our family fortune. <laughs> That would be so nice. That would be really I knew, nice. I knew we came from a family of billionaires. <laughs> if I knew I was an heiress. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> In choosing Robber's Cave as a hideout, Jesse James didn't leave things to chance. The area around Robber's Cave offered several strategic advantages that made it the perfect outlaw refuge. The geography and terrain made it an almost impregnable fortress, with the outlaws allegedly able to escape through a secret back exit. Additionally, at the Ooh. base of the cliff, there is a natural stone corral where his gang could easily stow their horses and their pack animals, and a natural spring located within the cave, which provided fresh water. Treasure isn't the only thing said to lie among the stones. Oh, mm. I like that. <laughs> Apparently, the skeletons of numerous victims and bandits who ran afoul of their gangs... <laughs> ran afoul. <laughs> including... <laughs> Fiddlin' Jim, who is said to have been a one-time boyfriend of Bellstar. Now, I did try to look that up yes. and look who Fiddlin' Jim was, but honestly, I didn't find anything. I didn't um, see anything. His name. Yeah, well, that's why mm -hmm. I texted you. Um, What kind of fiddling did he do? It didn't say. It just said Fiddlin' Jim. I hate to assume, but I would like to assume it was the with the instrument fiddle. Yes, I, I mean, that's how I took it. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't, Is there I'm, another way to take it? <laughs> yes. Fiddling around? <laughs> yes. No, I think you'll hear why okay. in okay. a little while. But so say, hmm, I don't. But anyway. One time boyfriend. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> we don't need to know about that. It's not that kind of podcast. Well, that's why I texted you because her first husband was Jim Reed. Yes. And yes, so that's why oh, yeah. I was like, if there was some kind of correlation. No. I don't know. But we all know there was also a lot of rumors mm -hmm, about her. Mm -hmm. So there's, I mean, he might not have even been with a, her. So. A lover. Right. Robert Turpin wrote that murders went as late as 1891 when travelers up the old military road found the stripped body of a man who had Ooh. been shot with a shotgun oh. to the back of the head. Now, when they say stripped... I'm assuming it was buck naked. Yeah. Or is yeah. it butt naked? Buck naked or I think it's butt technically naked? Buck naked, but we we in Oklahoma we say butt naked. <laughs> well, yeah. Either or I'm assuming he was naked or I mean he could have been stripped down to his long johns, but either way he was stripped down. It, it makes just the says story he was better stripped if he down. was naked. He was later <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is rated clean, remember? I know. I know. 
Um, He was later identified as George Bickford, who had been out hunting for a lost Spanish silver mine. Lewis Holder was his treasure hunting buddy. Mm -hmm. So they were partners in this endeavor. Mm -hmm. Holder was later found with Bickford's horses and wagon. Interesting. Interesting. He was arrested and taken to Fort Smith. Holder ended up confessing (laughs) that he had killed George Bickford, Mm -hmm. but he claimed claimed that he had killed him in self-defense. Of course, of course. Here's what he claimed happened. He said... Oh, no. He said that George Bickford tried to renegotiate at gunpoint the agreement on how they were going to divide any treasure they might find. Might. So he shot him in the back of the head and stripped him naked. I find it interesting that at this point, they were already squabbling over how they were going to divide the treasure that they hadn't even acquired Right, right. And (laughs) it's interesting that the self-defense was through the back of the head. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. at some point, this guy had his back to the other guy. Right. He had turned around or... And then in self-defense, his clothes needed to come Come off. off. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. And uh, it's just interesting. It just goes to show what what greed can do to people. Absolutely. Holder proved agreeable enough and had even offered his defense attorney and his jailers shares of the gold that had been fought over once he got out of jail. Oh, you mean the gold you hadn't found yet? Right, That right, you killed right. somebody over? That gold? Oh, okay. I'm rolling my eyes right now. When hanging Judge Isaac Parker pronounced an <laughs> unexpected death sentence in 1894, unexpected. <laughs> Holder apparently let out a terrifying scream and swore he was going to haunt Judge Parker, the officers who arrested him, and the 12 men of the jury. I wonder how many people did haunt Judge Parker. Well, just keep that little bit of the screaming and I'm going to haunt you. I don't know. Just just remember. Just keep that in your mind. Remember Um, that for later. Maybe not. Just remember it for later. Okay. This is scary. In 1926, the area began its transformation into what it is today, a hopping place for recreation and nature exploration. It is, yes. And in 1935, Robert's Cave officially became a state park. Okay, now, I find this super kooky and messed up. But that's just me. So in 1954, Robbers Cave State Park hosted the notorious Robbers Cave Experiment. It consisted of two groups of 12 boys. Each had 12 boys in the two groups, so 24 boys, that were brought on what they were told was an extended camping trip. The two groups were kept separated while they went through team building exercises. And then the two groups were introduced to each other through a series of competitions with prizes given to the winning team. The psychologists then proceeded to create a scarcity of resources with one group being delayed to a picnic only to find the other group had eaten all their food. As the scarcity of resources continued, tempers grew from name calling to capturing and burning the opposing group's camp flag to a violent (laughs) raid where one team ransacked and destroyed the other group's campsite. I'm not surprised. 
Christ. Before things got even more violent and out of hand, the psychologist brought the experiment to an end. That's, I am impressed that they ended it before it got, quote, out of hand. Well, and you know, all I have to say about that, it totally gave me Laura the Flies That's exactly what I was thinking in my head. And I don't like it. I don't either. (laughs) I mean, I had to read that book in my junior year of high school, and I hated that book. I hated it. And those boys were definitely on the road to Lord of the Flies. Exactly. But of course, that's just my opinion. But I just, I found that creepy Mm -hmm. and disturbing a little bit that they would let it I guess in my mind to let take away resources like that just to see what would happen. I mean, what do you think would happen? You know what I mean? Well, exactly. Anyway, okay. I also want to know how old these boys were. I mean, good grief. Anyway, I digress. Today, the park offers a ton of things to do. They have a restaurant, a 20-room lodge, an equestrian camp, stables, campgrounds, group camps, cabins, fishing, swimming, hiking, horseback riding, rock climbing, and rappelling, if that's your thing. Nope. That's just to name a few. In 2002, the park was listed in the National Register of Historic Places. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. And now I want to briefly touch on Carlton Weaver. It's important. I don't know who that is. I'm going to tell you. Okay. At only 25 years old, Carlton Weaver represented District 87 in the Constitutional Convention to make Oklahoma state. Mm-hmm. He continued in state politics while working as a newspaper editor in Wilburton for over 30 years. In 1929, he donated the first 120 acres surrounding Robber's Cave to the Boy Scouts of America, or the BSA, for the use as a camp. He served as the vice president of the Boy Scouts Choctaw Council, and in 1937, the CCC, Civilian Conservation Corps, and the WPA, Works Progress Administration, created Lake Carlton, named after Carlton Weaver. Carlton Weaver is actually buried on the property. Just remember that. Oh, gosh. Kooky fact. John (laughs) Newell. Warden at the Big Mac, McAllister Penitentiary, arranged for a group of skilled inmates to begin improving the site. Using locally quarried rock, the prisoners built a kitchen and several buildings that were used as headquarters for different scout troops. So inmates were building the Boy Scouts. Yep, Can't. sure were. Time the- for the spooks. Oh, gosh. Oh, we unless go. you were going to say well, something. I was going to say, why didn't the Boy Scouts build their own because Boy Scouts? They were too kids? busy being Lord of the Flies. I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Time for spooks. It's said that haunting figures from the land's checkered past make appearances near Robber's Cave. Several hikers on the trails around the cave say that they have seen phantoms wandering among the trees dressed in rugged cowboy outfits, including the six-shooter on their belts. When people take a second glance to see if they what they saw was seeing like a, a performer or something, the figure is nowhere to be seen. <laughs> Many believe these are resistant Residual energies replaying moments of time when truly dangerous outlaws roamed Indian territory. However, that was, (laughs) I said that weird. (laughs) However, others say that these are the lingering spirits of those killed in the San Bois roaming the land near where their bodies lie. Fiddle music can be heard as well without any sign of a source. No. Maybe it's Fiddlin' Jim, Bellstar's one-time boyfriend. 
So remember when we talked about Lewis Holder, who shot and killed his treasure hunting buddy and hanging Judge Parker, mm-hmm. gave him the death sentence. And he cursed and he screamed him. and he cursed everybody yes. and their mm-hmm. dog. Mm-hmm. Well, in the years that followed that incident, many of the officers who arrested Holder just disappeared in Indian Territory. Just Ooh. disappeared. Vanished. Interesting. Men from the jury died of unknown causes. <gasps> The hanging judge, Isaac Parker himself, Mm -hmm. suffered numerous sudden ailments that Mm -hmm. ranged from Bright's disease to heart degeneration until his untimely death. (laughs) Now, all right, I had no idea what Bright's disease was, so I looked it up. Bright's disease, or what is now called nephritis, is an inflammation of the kidneys caused by toxins, infection, or autoimmune conditions. It's not strictly a single disease, Rather, it's a condition of a number of types and causes, mm. and it sounds awful like to me. Like a combination of several. Mm-hmm. Remember Carlton Weaver, who we just talked about? It's yes. buried on the property. Yes. The stuff. The stuff. <laughs> the stuff nightmares are made of. <laughs> the staff at the park call his ghost Mr. Carlton. Oh. Mm-hmm. And people say his ghost is most often seen by the riding stables where he once lived. Mr. Carlton proves to be a very active ghost, Ooh. turning lights on after staff members have left. That's annoying. Opening locked doors. Not not polite. Locking doors that are supposed to be unlocked. Even more rude. And sometimes he's been known to slam doors as he apparently goes in and out checking on his park. While he has spooked oh. some workers, most of the staff seem to be happy to have him around. And I don't see me being one of those people if that was just me but you know (laughs) teach their own whenever anything goes missing and then suddenly shows back up where it was supposed to be all along they say it was mr carlton needing it for a job Hmm. and that's all the ghost stories that i have get your own there weren't carl (laughs) there wasn't really too many ghost stories that i could find most of what i found was just about the history Mm -hmm. but it was really interesting that is cool and cousins i highly recommend downloading the travel okay and the oklahoma state parks apps because they have so much information about oklahoma and our state parks and they're fantastic you can find any kind of information you know go to their websites from there if you're wanting to plan a trip and i know i really want to go to robber's cave because mm-hmm. it me too it and it's beautiful yeah I've, I've if you've ever seen beautiful. the pictures so please go check those out definitely and uh, anyway that was robber's cave very nice so mm. doesn't make me want to go camping there but I'll, I'll stay in the lodge maybe I'd, well, oh, I mean, yeah. I'll stay one night I mean it'd be like a hotel what's the worst that could happen well, somebody unlocks that. my door and comes waltzing in with a six shooter on well I don't know where it, I don't really know where he's doing that at I don't know if it's at the lodge or if it's well it sounds like he's not residual so he can probably go wherever he wants that's true why do you say those things first things first I'm a realist mm, well <laughs> Tiff, why don't you tell the people where they can find us? You can reach us on email at CuriousCousinsOK at gmail.com. You can, of course, find us on our socials at 
Curious Cousins OK on Instagram and Curious Cousins OK podcast on Facebook. Of course, you can rate, review, and give us some stars on all of your favorite podcast streaming services such as Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, Google, you know, all the things. All the things, exactly. And we would love to have any of your recommendations, your thoughts, your stories. Bring them all to us. The good, the bad, the ugly. We can take it. Yeah. And just tell them what to keep it. Keep it cookie and spooky. Bye. Bye.